Welcome to St. Mungo's Podcast for the Magically Deprived, where you can get your weekly Potter fix. We will be discussing the Harry Potter series chapter by chapter. If you've read the books previously or are just starting the series for the first time, we hope you enjoy this journey through Harry's adventures at Hogwarts and beyond. Please be aware that this is not a spoiler-free podcast. We may at times reference future events, people, or places. Also, there will be adult language and content. So if you have little ones listening, you may want to send them out of the room or listen at another time. Hello, everyone. I'm Joe. I'm Megan. I'm Serena. This week, we're discussing Chapter 22 of The Prisoner of Azkaban. I will post again. But before we get into the chapter, let's head over to Serena in the Slytherin common room for some Quibbler controversy. Serena, what do you have this week? So for this week, I wanted to discuss the idea that Dumbledore is able to use his chocolate frog cards as a huge web of informants throughout the wizarding world that can um, relay information kind of like how portraits can go to different portraits and see what's going on. And that's how he knows everything that's happening all the time. And um, in this chapter, he is quite shocked that they kept this big secret from him for so long. Yeah, I find that really why would you know everyone's business like that? So I thought that was uh, maybe a valid theory. I've heard this one. And it's, yeah, it's like you said, it's the same as the portraits. If you have a portrait, you can travel between your portraits, regardless of where they are. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it would make sense for the chocolate frog cards because they're kind of like when Harry first finds the chocolate frog card of Dumbledore, like Dumbledore mm. actually walks out of the card. Yeah. yeah. And Ron's like, what, you think he has time to stay there all day? Yeah. yeah, so it makes it sound like the card knows what's going on. Like, he's like, I'm out of here. I got work to do. So he leaves yeah. the card. So if that's the fact, then he is literally everywhere his card is. Mm-hmm. But is that, does that go for all the witches and wizards that have cards? Well, that's what you would think. If it works for him, it should work for everybody. No one else could probably be bothered. He's probably like, gather. I'm in my porch again. Tell me what's going on. Or I wonder if he just makes sure that when they manufacture the chocolate frogs, like he has like more cards in them than everybody else. Yeah. You have a higher probability of getting or, him so that he can be everywhere and know everything. Yeah. Or because they are like trading cards. So people trade. Maybe he is one of the more popular cards. So they're just by default, there's more of his card out there. Yeah. I don't know. I like the theory. It makes sense. But like you said, if it works for him, then it would be the same for everyone. You don't necessarily have to be, quote, a good guy to have a wizard card. You wouldn't want like enemies knowing everybody's business, right? Or maybe that's just like a notable wizard. Yeah, well, like Voldemort isn't yeah, a notable wizard, but he's, he's not noticeable, a right? But I'm wondering maybe if Dumbledore like performed some kind of charm specifically for himself. Mm-hmm. I was always shocked that he never knew that the Marauders were animagi. Mm-hmm. I always found that a bit weird, like because he knows that he even knows when Harry's sitting in front of the mirror like he knows every you know what i mean yeah there's not much in the castle happenings that he doesn't know Mm -hmm. yeah i can see that i'm not completely opposed to that theory yeah in the fifth one he says he doesn't care if he's kicked off the wiz and gamma as long as they don't take him off the chocolate frog cards yes that's funny so yeah it does make sense i like it yeah not opposed to it at all 
We'll go back to you, Joe, in the Gryffindor common room for a chapter. Um, before we started, though, I did just want to clarify something that we talked about last week. We were saying that Hermione got OWLs with the time turner. Yeah, but I realized she wouldn't have been doing her OWLs this o year. OWLs are fifth year, but the, the whole mm -hmm. point was that she was still trying to get through 12 subjects with a time turner yeah and couldn't do it so even though even if it was fifth year it's still impossible unless you have a time turner to get 12 owls unless there's something else going on that we don't know about. we don't know about yeah so it was still that um percy and was it bill or charlie got bill. 12 i think percy bill percy and bill. barty crouch jr yeah they still got 12 but yeah but hermione didn't get 10 with the time turner she got it without the time turner exactly yes but the point was that even if she had the time turner in year five, obviously she couldn't handle golf subjects, which right. out of those four, if anybody could handle it, I don't see how Hermione couldn't. But we discussed it last week. She didn't really want to take divination. So like no. she just wanted all of the credits. That's yeah, what she, she wanted to say that she had them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's I, Hermione. I was listening back to um, last week's and that's what I was thinking that we didn't clarify that OWLs are in fifth year, mm. but regardless of what year it was, she still could not handle the 12 subjects with a time turner. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that could be too. Cause like, Maybe she could have handled it a little better in fifth year because she was a little bit older. Yeah, but you still have to keep going back and doing hours over, which is, yeah, like I said, we still don't know how the other ones did it. Unless there were yeah. like, the schedule was different. So like there weren't, the classes weren't happening at the same time. So they were able to take more of them. You know what I mean? But if your schedule is full, because most students are taking nine classes and that's yeah. a full schedule so if you're adding another three on top of that where would they fit in you know what i mean so you would but have if you have if there are classes happening when you have nothing going on on your extra time like but say you had two classes in one day because like when i was in college say we had i had two classes in one day but i had like a six hour break in between those classes where oh, I, had I see what you're saying do. so if there was a class going on then that they wanted to go sit in on yeah. And it was happening. They could. They had the free time. So why didn't Hermione do that? Because they could have changed the schedule for when they were happening. So now instead of having that break, she has no time she because no that time. class is happening at the same time as another class that she has to be in instead of that's the only that's how I was thinking of it. Could be like a legitimate yeah. college. I don't know. Like I said, I wish there was someone to clarify. There is. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that we're gonna like the answer that they give, but Because she I'm pretty sure she clarified that the other three did not use time turners. Yeah. But she didn't say how they did it. Yeah. So those are the facts. That's all we have to work with. Okay. So after freeing Sirius and Buckbeak, Harry and Hermione hurry back to the hospital wing. They run into Dumbledore just as he prepares to lock their past selves into the ward. They tell him that they have rescued Sirius and Buckbeak and they re-enter the room and get into their beds. Not a minute later, Madame Pomfrey comes out of her office because she's heard Dumbledore leave and can now look after her patients. So soon after, they hear a roar of fury from overhead and angry voices getting closer and closer. Cornelius, Fudge, and Snape are arguing as the two of them enter the ward with Dumbledore. Snape immediately starts blaming Harry and asking what he has done. 
Madame Pomfrey once again does not care who she's talking to when it comes to her patients, and she tells Snape to get control of himself. Fudge asks Snape to be reasonable because Harry has, after all, been locked in the hospital wing, and Snape gets a bit deranged, insisting that Harry and Hermione had something to do with Sirius's escape, and Fudge starts to think that Snape is a bit off his rocker. When Snape keeps going on, Dumbledore tells him to knock it off and asks Madame Pomfrey to confirm that Harry and Hermione have been in their beds the entire time. And Dumbledore says that unless Harry and Hermione can be in two places at once, there's no point in having this discussion. So Snape just stares dumbfounded between Fudge and Dumbledore and then storms off. So two things here. First of all, Fudge, being the Minister of Magic, has to know that Hermione has a time turner. Like McGonagall's, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. McGonagall said she sent multiple letters to the ministry and no doubt that Fudge himself, being the minister, had to approve it, which is why I think that Snape is like staring at him going, you idiot, like, <laughs> are you not putting this together? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like, how did Snape know that she had a time turner? I feel like the teachers would have been made aware of it. Oh, that's why I was yeah. wondering, wouldn't how all the teachers have known? That's, That's what I think the teachers have known because Dumbledore says to Snape, like kind of goading him, like, oh, unless they can be in two places at once. At once. Yeah. And then and then Snape's looking at the minister, like staring at him, like, do you not get that they're actually in two places at once? Yeah. So I just found it weird that Fudge is not putting it together. And I think that's why Snape is looking at him like, um, hello. You know what I mean? Like kind of wanting him to say, well, doesn't this one have a time turner? Yeah, but I don't get why like Snape didn't just say that, or just because Dumbledore he knows well, Dumbledore is probably in on it. Well, that's my second point is like that bit of a power struggle between Snape and Dumbledore in this scene, where mm -hmm. Dumbledore knows that Snape knows that something is going on, and that Dumbledore is the one who orchestrated it. They don't know that we know that they know that yeah, we know. know. They know. And <laughs> Snape knows that Dumbledore knows that he knows what's going on. <laughs> And Dumbledore is kind of giving him that, like, don't try me, Snape. Yeah, like, go don't right ahead and see. And that's why Snape gets, like, pissed and, like, drops it and leaves. Mm -hmm. So there's that little kind of behind-the-scenes power struggle that they're having, which is amusing. But at the same time, because Snape is not wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, he knows they had something to do with it. But he wants the minister to kind of catch <laughs> on without... Gaslights the fuck out of him. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> You could tell he's like poking at Snape because he's like, unless they can be in two places at once, Snape, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but then you say that, and, or he says that, and you think Fudge would be, well, wait a minute, they fucking could be. Uh -huh. Yes, exactly. But he just, he just Fudge just, quite, he's he not should not be a minister. <laughs> not a detective. <laughs> and then Fudge tells Dumbledore to watch out for Snape because he seems a bit unbalanced. Mm -hmm. And Dumbledore says... He's not unbalanced. He's just suffered a severe disappointment, which he's disappointed that someone did not get their soul sucked out because he can't get over his, his schoolboy teenage punch. boy. Yeah. Which come on, Snape. Like, mm -hmm. this is my whole struggle with Snape through the entire series. Like, he'll do or say something, and I'm like, you are correct, Snape. But then the way he goes about trying to get his point across, I'm like, well, you just fucked it up. I'd say just because you're right doesn't mean you get to be a dick like while trying to make your point. Exactly. 
So Fudge is concerned that he and the ministry are going to look incompetent for Sirius getting away right under their noses. Dumbledore reminds Fudge that the Dementors need to go, and Fudge says he never imagined that the Dementors would try to administer the kiss on an innocent boy. See, and this is what I mean. It speaks to Fudge's blindness when it comes to certain issues. Like he's become very adept at turning a blind eye because Dumbledore even knows that the Dementors were very much capable of this because he said so in his opening speech. Yet Fudge is completely oblivious. Like he's like, I would never think that they'd do that. Yeah, everyone should know that they would do that. Yeah. So then Fudge suggests having dragons at the school entrance, which... Yes, but also no, because I don't think dragons would be any more discriminating than Dementors, honestly. Any more or any less? I meant to say any more forgiving oh. than Dementors. <laughs> <laughs> so Fudge and Dumbledore leave and Madame Pomfrey locks the door muttering angrily as she goes off to her office. Ron finally wakes up and he has like a thousand questions, but Harry lets Hermione do all of the explaining. The three of them leave the hospital wing at noon the following day, and everyone was in Hogsmeade for the final visit of the year, so the castle was practically deserted. They lounged by the lake, reliving the events of the previous night. Hagrid approaches them and tells them how Buckbeak escaped, and he figures that he must not have tied him up properly, and they just they let him believe that, which I thought was really cute. Hagrid mentions that Snape told everyone that Lupin is a werewolf and Lupin has resigned and is packing as they speak. So Harry scrambles to go and see Lupin. And I was surprised that Ron and Hermione opted not to go with Harry to see him because Hermione was like, oh, well, it doesn't sound like we can do anything about it. Like, when has that stopped you before? (laughs) This whole series is based around you guys doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Right? I know Harry had a little more of a special relationship with Lupin, but I thought they all did. So I'm like, you don't even want to go say goodbye, really? Uh, Lupin saw Harry coming on the Marauder's map, and he confirmed that he did indeed resign. And Dumbledore had to convince Fudge that Lupin was trying to save the trio's lives, which was the final straw for Snape. And that's why he told everyone that Lupin was a werewolf. But who did he tell exactly? Because the staff already knew that Lupin was a werewolf. So he he just started telling the students. Yeah, Yeah, he told all the Slytherins. Oh, okay. And then he's saying that they're going to be writing to their parents. Yes. Yeah. Lupin actually says he knows that the, the owls will start coming in because parents won't want a werewolf teaching their children. And he doesn't completely disagree after the events of the previous night. But like, that only happened because you didn't take your potion, buddy. Take your potion. Set an alarm. Yeah, Yeah, come on now. (laughs) I mean, Dumbledore thought it was safe to have him teaching there. (laughs) So Harry is heartbroken that Lupin is leaving. I think it's because that's like his last connection to his parents. Um, yeah, Lupin, that makes sense. Yeah. He's like, you're the last one that I can chit chat about, like my parents and how they were in school. And now he's leaving as well. So Lupin tries to comfort Harry, saying that Harry saved a lot of lives the previous night. <laughs> what does that say? One eyed witch here, live to listen to you shit talk about her. <laughs> <laughs> you can join us if she wants. One eyed witch. <laughs> so that was megan's mom <laughs> i 
heard her coming up the stairs with purpose, and I'm like, oh, what is what is she coming up here to do? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be. She said, I don't want to be in it. I just wanted to say she can listen live. <laughs> so we have a live fan in the house. Okay. Just said I don't want to hear any shit. We're here. I don't think the one-eyed witch is in this chapter. She's safe. No. She's <laughs> Um, where was I? So Lupin tries to comfort Harry saying that he saved a lot of lives the previous night. And if Lupin is proud of anything he's done this year, it's how much Harry has learned. And he was thrilled to hear about Harry's Patronus because James's Animagus was a stag. Lupin packs up his final belongings and hands Harry his invisibility cloak, which he brought from the Shrieking Shack last night. When? When (laughs) did you grab this cloak? Probably when he transformed back. Maybe, but I feel like that would have been that morning. Like the werewolf is going to be running around yeah. all night while the moon is out, right? Yeah. And he says he got it last night. I'm like, first of all, Snape tied you up. Then they untied you. Then you all left the Shrieking Shack together. Then you turned into a werewolf. What, did you sneak in there as the werewolf and just gently with your teeth pick up Harry's <laughs> Going, oh, wait a minute. Lucid moment. Harry might need this. <laughs> So anyway, he also gives Harry back the Marauder's Map, saying as he's no longer his teacher, he feels no guilt in giving it back to him. Dumbledore comes in to inform Lupin that his carriage has arrived, and Lupin says his goodbyes and leaves. Harry is feeling as though nothing he did makes any difference because Peter has still escaped, and Dumbledore points out that Harry saved two innocent lives and helped to uncover the truth. Dumbledore's words jog something in Harry's mind and he remembers Professor Trelawney's prediction and tells Dumbledore about it, asking if Dumbledore thinks that it's actually a real prediction. So Dumbledore, having seen Trelawney make a prediction before, says that he believes it is real, even though he tries to play it off as a bit of a joke and then says, you know, he should give her a bit of a pay raise because she's made two accurate predictions now. Harry panics that if Peter helps Voldemort return to power, it will be all his fault. And Dumbledore points out that Peter is now in Harry's debt, and that's not something Voldemort will take kindly to. Harry feels a little bit better when Dumbledore tells him that knowing James, he would also have chosen to save Peter's life. And then he leaves Harry to his thoughts. As the school year comes to an end, the only people who knew the particulars about Sirius, Buckbeak, and Peter's escapes are the trio and Dumbledore. Malfoy was furious about Buckbeak's escape, and he was convinced that Hagrid smuggled him to safety. Regardless of everything he had done, Harry still felt dejected about Lupin's departure, as well as Peter's escape in light of Trelawney's prediction. But worst of all, Harry dreaded returning to the Dursleys. He had that like brief hope of going to live with Sirius. That ray of light had been abruptly extinguished. Exam results came in on the last day, which is also a bit weird because usually they get their exam results mailed to them over the summer. Not Um, only for the OWLs. I'm just wondering if maybe that's just OWL and NEWT results that are... No, but it says that Percy did well on his... Yeah, it says the trio just on their exams, but owl year is fifth year. So I'm just wondering if maybe, oh yeah, so how would they know that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, sorry. But they did say that. How would he know that? Yeah, I guess maybe they change it year to year. Who knows? 
So the trio all passed their exams and Harry felt like Dumbledore might have had a hand in Snape not failing him on purpose as Snape seemed to be using every sinew of his restraint whenever he was near Harry. Gryffindor won the house championship for third year running. Hermione dropped muggle studies so she can now have a normal schedule starting the following year. Ron tells Harry that he'll talk to his parents about having him come to stay over the summer. The Quidditch World Cup is on and Mr. Weasley can usually get tickets from work. Harry says that the Dursleys would be pleased to let him go after what he did to Aunt Marge, which I don't know if that would be the case because we're always saying how they're trying to keep him at home. And right. Yeah. So I'm interacting with wizards. While on the train home, a tiny owl with a letter shows up outside of Harry's window. The letter is from Sirius, and he lets Harry know that he and Buckbeak are safe and in hiding. He says he will let a few muggles glimpse him a long way away from the castle so that security will be lifted on the school. Sirius tells Harry that he sent the firebolt to him as a 13 years worth of birthday presents, and Hermione gets her I told you so moment, because she did say it was Sirius who sent it to him. Sirius also says that he was the dog Harry saw on Privet Drive when he left the Dursleys the previous summer. Apart from the letter that was inside the envelope, there was also a signed Hogsmeade permission form that would no doubt be satisfactory enough for Dumbledore to allow Harry to go on future Hogsmeade trips. The final PS on the letter says that Ron can keep the tiny owl as an apology for him no longer having a rat. And I don't think the owl is Sirius's to give away. The owl does not belong to you. He's just an owl you found to send a letter. (laughs) So Ron is stunned and he studies the owl and then holds him out for Crookshanks to inspect. And when Crookshanks purrs at the tiny owl, Ron happily agrees to keep him. Uh, Harry reads and rereads his letter all the way to King's Cross Station. Uncle Vernon's first words when he sees Harry are, what's that? because he sees the letter in Harry's hand and he thinks it might be another permission form for him to sign. And Harry takes delight in telling Uncle Vernon that the letter is from his godfather, who is a convicted murderer and has broken out of prison, and he will be keeping in touch with Harry to see if he's all right and if he is happy. And that is the end of chapter. Is there anything else you guys want to discuss about the goings-on in this chapter? No. No. All right, Megan, we will head over to you in the Hufflepuff common room for Would You Rather. This Would You Rather question is, if given the chance, would you rather spend the summer at Weasley's Burrow or at Hogwarts maintaining the grounds with Hagrid? I'm going to say the Burrow. Just because, I mean, we're at Hogwarts all year, so the burrow to me is just as much fun as Hogwarts, and this way you get the best of both worlds. You can be in Hogwarts all year and then the summer at the burrow. I agree. Serena? I don't know. Thinking. So do all the teachers live at Hogwarts, or do they go home? I feel okay. like they have houses now. They do. Like, we know Snape has his own place. Right. And- um, we know McGonagall was actually, I believe she was married previously, and she mm-hmm. had a house in Hogsmeade. I feel like some may stay. Like, I feel like Dumbledore does for some reason. I don't think he has another home. 
teachers do have their own homes mm-hmm. they don't have to stay at the castle it'd be kind of cool to have the castle to yourself do they stay at the castle during the school year or do they yes i think during the school year they live maybe they go home on weekends but i during the school year for sure they're they're in the the castle and we know hagrid lives on the ground so he's there and filch would i assume live in the castle yeah probably in the fucking dungeon I want to spend the summer with Filch. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't have to necessarily be with students. He'd be running around all summer. Students out of bed. Yeah, <laughs> to the dungeon. Are you still undecided? Kind of. I'd like being at the castle, but like I said, you're there all year anyway. So I find I, find I feel the like it would be fun. different in the summer though, because like you it don't would have be. classes, so you can like explore every nook and cranny and like know oh. everything about the castle. You get it to yourself. Like the borough is a very yeah. small space with a lot of people in it. That's true. It's just not my vibe. That's like true. it would be fun, but I think it'd be fun to hang out with all the Weasleys. Oh yeah. I feel like it would get old fast, though. Wouldn't be able to get any reading done. Hogwarts has a library. You'd library. have to go hit gnomes out into the field. Oh, that yeah, I'm not doing. Sorry. <laughs> Hang out with the house elves. Sit that one out. Food. While they're denoming, I'll help uh, Molly with dinner. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say the castle. And Megan, you're are you definite on the borough, or did you change your mind? No, I think I changed my mind. I think I would like to explore the castle, have it castle? to myself, and like. House elves are going to have nothing else to do other than make me food. There's no one else to feed. We best see. Yeah, I'll go hang out in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. You'll bring yeah. me food to the library. Oh, can you imagine? No, I'm going to stick with the burrow, I think. All right. Yeah. Oh, I was going to go over to you, homework, but there's no homework for next no. week. Next week will be our recap. Our guest, Ravenclaw Cruz, will be on to quiz us. The format's going to be a little different on the quiz, which I'll explain next week. All right. So thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also leaving us a rating and review would be super awesome. And maybe mention us to all of your Potter friends. That brings us to the end of this episode. Join us next week as we continue reading through the Harry Potter series. You can send any questions, comments, or concerns to Podcast at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and Instagram at Podcast. <laughs>